All he asked for was to work any day except Sunday because of his faith. Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is First Liberty Live. Thank you for liking and sharing our videos. That's how we get to meet new people, and I appreciate the fact that you do that. It's helped us expand the reach of this little program that we do, and I'm just thankful that you're a part of it in that way. I want you to meet Gerald Groff. He is our guest today. Uh, he's a po former Postal Service employee, and he's got a story that I think you'll want to hear. Hi, Gerald. Hi. But before we get to the post office part, I want to hear about you. You've devoted a large part of your lifetime to doing work on the mission field. Tell me about that. Yes, I've, I uh, grew up in a Christian family, and I, I have a picture at home of uh, myself standing with my hand on a globe. It was, I made it in kindergarten, and it says, someday I want to be a missionary. And so my life has been about figuring out how God would like to use me. And so um, my first missions trip was right after high school. Huh. I went to Africa for the first time. I've been to Africa two more times after that. I served in um, Nepal and in different parts of Asia, um, sometimes for short term and sometimes for two years, just always going where God wanted to put me. And to me, wherever you are is a mission field, but I, I especially have a desire to go overseas and serve the Lord in that way. Why is your heart so much into that? Why is that such an important part of your life and who you are? Because I'm passionate about people hearing the word of God and passionate about living out my faith and being tested in difficult situations and, and allowing the Lord to use me to glorify himself. And I'm not afraid of jumping on a plane and going overseas. Uh, actually, that's less intimidating to me than going in, you know, into the city and driving around by myself. <laughs> <laughs> So Says, we're surrounded by pictures of the Postal Service and people are probably thinking, OK, uh, this guy, Gerald's been on the mission field so much. What's with the mailboxes and the postal truck? What's the connection with the Postal Service? How'd you get working for them? When you're on the mission field, you have to come back and, and start over when your, your term is finished. And sometimes you just have to take the job that comes along. Yeah. Um, for me, I just decided to plant myself at the post office for a bit and see how it went. Um, to, like I said earlier, to, uh, to, Anywhere can be a mission field for you, whether it's on, in Africa or, you know, in the workplace. And so for me, um, when God opened that door, I was willing to go there. Uh, I didn't know what I was in for, but it was, the, uh, you know, more of a long-term planting there to be part of that. Um, and for me, it was a job first, just to get my feet under me again after coming back from overseas. But it was also part of being a witness and shining the light of Christ there, too. And that worked for you for years, right? You were there for quite some time. Yeah, about seven years. Um, I started in 2012, and I was finished in 2019. And the key to this story is, we talked about it at the very beginning, you were looking for a job that would not have you working on Sunday, because that was important to you. Sure, every time I look for a job, I, I try to find a job that doesn't require that as part of their stipulations. Yeah, and the post office, historically, doesn't operate on Sunday. That's been a day they've been off. And that worked for you for years, right? Yes, that's true. I never even crossed my mind that I'd be expected to work on Sunday because we don't get mail on Sundays. But then something changed. Sure. They, they signed a contract with Amazon.com to, to uh, take over their deliveries, and that would include every Sunday and holidays year-round. And that's when things got difficult. Yeah. And, and so people understand, you were willing to work extra shifts during the week to make up the time any way that you could, you just wanted to be able to honor 
the Lord's Day. You wanted to be not working on Sunday. Yes, that's correct. I ended up working, you know, if a route was short because someone had called off that day, I would actually come back from finishing my mail route and go out and take extra. Or um, there would be days when I was not scheduled, I would come in and, and work on a Saturday or something like that just to make up for what I was, you know, not doing by working on Sunday. But then finally they said no that's not going to work anymore. You're going to have to show up on Sunday. What happened? Uh, it was the postmaster had been accommodating me for about a year, just in house. She was willing to not schedule me and not make waves. And then all of a sudden, I guess I assume she got pressure from above her to change things. And she told me in some rather unkind words, um, either do it my way or hit the road. Wow. And so I was able to find a post office that was small enough nearby that was exempt for the time being from working on Sundays. And I transferred over there to the Holtwood post office um, from the Quarryville post office where I had been. Yeah, and then eventually this led to you leaving the work that you were doing, correct? Leaving the post office? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were, in, 20, in January 2019, I felt that I was forced out. I had exhausted the disciplinary process and just going by the pattern that after three absences, they would bring me in for an, a pre-disciplinary interview. It, it was always resulting in discipline at some point. Um, after that interview, I, I knew that the writing was on the wall, so to speak, that I was gonna be fired. And this ended up in court, and clearly you're not someone who is an activist who thought, I'm gonna behave in such a way that this is gonna lead to a lawsuit. That was never your intent. But yet here we are, and, and this is a case that's been making its way through the courts. What is it that you're asking for what would you like the resolution of this to be? Personally, I would like um, God to be glorified through this. So that, that's the only thing I care about. Um, I have no concern about any settlement or anything. I'm not doing it for that. It's all about what God wants to accomplish through this. Um, legally, I would love to see a precedent set that people don't get treated the way I did, yeah. that their faith is respected, that if they have the conviction like I do to not work on the Lord's Day, that that, that would be honored and that would be written into federal law or whatever law is applicable to honor their beliefs and, and respect what our constitution holds true, that you know our faith should be protected. What's your encouragement to other people who are also looking for that kind of accommodation as far as working on Sunday? What's your encouragement for them? Uh, my encouragement is to stand your ground for what you believe. Um, God will be there with you in it. It, it can be very difficult, but um, when you're forced into a corner, as I spoke, said more than once to my postal um, managers, I said, if you're going to ask me, I mean no disrespect, but if you're going to ask me to choose between your earthly authority and honoring God, I have to choose God. And to me, I was standing on my convictions of putting God first, and that's really my heart in this whole thing. Gerald Groff, great to meet you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. I appreciate you. Thank you. What's most interesting about this case is the possibility that it sets up to change not only the situation that Gerald Groff finds himself in, but employment law for literally every employer in the United States, whether the government or a private employer. And that's why I brought Stephanie Talbin to give us a legal perspective on this, to help us understand uh, what's going on with this. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stuart. First, a, a simple question. Is it a reasonable request from Gerald Groff to ask for Sundays off because he feels strongly about it based on his faith? Is that reasonable? 
Absolutely. This is so important to Gerald when he takes the Sabbath absolutely seriously and he's willing to work extra hours, he's willing to transfer posts, he's willing to make all sorts of accommodations in order to make this work. But what we saw is the post office wasn't willing to do the same. And so here he's really asking for reasonable accommodation to be allowed to work, to be not barred from these jobs at the post office. I'm not an attorney, but the, the picture that I'm getting is that there is a standard in place that employers just have to show a little bit of inconvenience and they can say, no, you don't get an accommodation. Where does that come from? What's the source of that? Uh, that's essentially right. So it comes from this case way back in the 70s called TWA v. Hardison. Okay. And so this is a case that the Supreme Court essentially rewrote the Civil Rights Act. So the Civil Rights Act of 1964, as amended in 1972, says that employees of faith have rights. They have a, um, they have a right to a reasonable accommodation in the workplace. So your employer is supposed to provide reasonable accommodations to you unless that would be some sort of an undue hardship on the business. Okay. But what we've seen is in the T.W. Hardison case, they essentially the court rewrote the statute to be more pro-business and less pro-employee. Meaning lowering the threshold of inconvenience that they have to experience before they can deny it, right? Absolutely. They, they put what is in place a de minimis or really a minimal standard. So if these em, okay. all the employers have to do is show that there is some sort of a minimal burden on their business in order to survive the standard. And so that's not what Congress intended. Okay, you're queen of the world. What would be a, a, the correct standard? What, it, what should it be set at? Well, it should be standardized across the different civil rights acts. So if you look at the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, they uh, interpret the very same language as meaning significant difficulty or expense, which is what you'd think it should read, just plain meaning of the term. Okay. And so that would really encourage employers to really grant meaningful religious accommodations to people of faith across the country. And what I'm hearing you say is this is not just Gerald, this is not just the post office, this is everybody that would be impacted, correct? Absolutely. This, um, several justices on the United States Supreme Court have indicated that it might be time to take a look at the standard that's it goes against the text of the statute, it goes against what Congress intended, and to really restore us to this place where we can respect religious diversity in the workplace. Uh, anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? That is really helpful and has helped me clarify in my head what it's about. Well, we are looking forward to watching this case very carefully. Hopefully the Supreme Court will take this opportunity to really change the law and protect religious employees of faith across the country. I don't want to let you go before we talk about one more thing, and that is we, we came alongside this case after it was already pretty far down the road. Explain what happened there. How did we get involved in this as, as one of the groups that's representing Gerald? Absolutely. So Gerald was represented by a number of really wonderful, wonderful law firms, um, by Al Alan Reinock at the Church State Council, by Randy Wanger at the Independence Law Center. Yeah. And then um, we came alongside them on appeal, along with the Baker Botts team um, at the Third Circuit 
And now we're looking forward to all moving together and to go to the United States Supreme Court and hopefully achieve a victory, not only for Gerald, but for all religious employees. And we want to praise the work those other groups have done because they've done a great job bringing this case to this point where it can be presented to the Supreme Court. What, what does First Liberty add to the mix? Why are we part of this? Uh, well, we're here to get the word out. We're here to explain everyone what's going on and really to mobilize support for Gerald, mobilize support for a correct interpretation of the law here. Very good. Stephanie Taub, always great talking to you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, and in case, if, if this case resonates with you, if this is something you would like to see at the Supreme Court, if, if religious freedom in general is a topic that you are concerned about and you want to see changes in the real world, I, could I invite you to support the work of us here at First Liberty Institute? Our clients never get a bill from us, and that's because of kind-hearted people like you that care about these issues. Just go to FirstLibertyLive.com and look for the big red donate button up at the top. And thank you in advance from all of us for that. First Liberty is your last line of defense and your greatest hope for victory.